Welcome to The Aging Project Off-Season. I'm Shelley Craft, your host and fellow ager on the same journey as you. I believe it's important to mix things up in life, and that belief extends to this podcast. So in our very first off-season, expect to hear stories from wonderful people who've caught our attention. We want to share real stories that inspire us and get us thinking about our own aging well journey. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Aging Project community. We're thrilled you have joined us once again. Today we are talking to Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life. We invited Alex on the show because so many of our guests have discussed reducing our toxic load. Alex has been on her own low-tox journey for 20 years and she's made it her mission to help others to do the same. So let's welcome Alex to hear her story and learn where to start, what to do, no matter where we are on our own low-tox journey. Here's Alex. Thank you so much for your time today. We have sort of started to delve into what we can do to live a low-tox life here at The Ageing Project. And so many of our guests have obviously started this journey themselves or are well down the path. Uh, for those of us that are beginning out, can you tell us from a low-tox lifer yourself um, how this came about for you and, and how it's going for you? Yeah, so for me, Shelley, it started probably about nearly 20 years ago now. Uh, when I was having recurrent uh, tonsillitis infections and uh, before then I'd actually had a ton of migraines and that sorted itself out but I didn't really understand why I didn't all of a sudden have migraines. Moved on to the next problem which was tonsillitis three or four times a year and I was on that antibiotics merry-go-round and had thankfully um, once I became antibiotic resistant to the antibiotics that kill strep throat Thankfully, a friend suggested I go see a naturopath, which 20 years ago was just not a health professional that you would have in your mix. You just had your doctor and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I love doctors. And, you know, if there's something really serious uh, that needs sorting out, uh, that's the first person I turn to. However, I had never really experienced the idea of a body not having all the tools it needed to heal itself, uh, which in things like overgrowths of certain bacteria like strep, uh, we can absolutely achieve through uh, holistic practices like naturopathy, Chinese medicine. There's a few other things in the toolkit and I didn't know about any of them. So when I'd seen this fabulous woman who'd been practicing for 25 years, uh, who sorted me out in three days and I no longer had tonsillitis, I was oh, shocked. Kidding. I was like, but I didn't take any medicine. She'd given me some revolting herb mix and um, put me on a couple of vitamins. And, Often sometimes uh, harder to keep down than some medicine, isn't it? <laughs> right, um, which I'm fine with now. You can throw anything at me now. But back then I was just like, you want me to drink what? Um, and I was better. But then, of course, I got it again and she then wanted to dive into why my immune system kept um, letting this happen what was going on. And she had done some research into non-celiac gluten sensitivity, decided that it would be worth doing an experiment to see if I went gluten-free for three months, what that would do and if I would get tonsillitis. Uh, and so I started and it was so hard to go gluten-free nearly 20 years ago. And by the way, I'm not advocating that everybody needs to be on a gluten-free diet. Um, you know, Whole Foods is, of course, obviously the main achieving uh, thing we want to go for. And then from there, there are just so many different factors that help different people thrive on different food mixes. 
Uh, I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist. Please go and see your health professional to discuss what might be right for you. But for me, it was a game changer. Uh, I did not get tonsillitis again. Uh, As long as I wasn't eating gluten, I was fine. Yeah. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, I I don't have any allergies that I know of, um, mm. but you do think you would never relate gluten to a sore throat. Why would that yeah. even ever be something yeah. that you would consider? Well, and this is where intolerances are different to allergies. So uh, intolerances can basically wear your body down. It's like, this is really hard for my body to process. And so it becomes weaker. And so any little weak link is allowed to flourish and show up and um, piss you off, basically. And that's what tonsillitis did to me several times a year. So it was a pretty amazing thing to hone in on that. And Mm -hmm. uh, it basically meant that because 20 years ago there wasn't a gluten-free processed food version of everything like there is now, I mean, gosh, you can get gluten-free cheesy puffs and Oreos and all sorts of things these days. I was a convenience eating 20 something hospo worker who had the, um, you know, the breakfast poppers on the go and all all that kind of food, lean cuisines, dunking the pouches of plastic into boiling water, which just makes me cringe now. But um, I was very much that regular shopper. You know, the average Aussie shopping trolley is 60% ultra processed food. And I can tell you right now that was me. I was very average, Uh, but average just because it's normal doesn't mean it's optimal. And with looking around at how sick so many people are struggling with all sorts of different issues, we've come to accept that as normal and it's not, and we can feel so much better, so many of us. So um, it was a journey into learning to cook because Mm -hmm. uh, moving to Whole Foods because I had to because every packaged food had gluten in it back then. Uh, It meant I had to learn how to cook. Otherwise, everything was going to taste really boring. Uh, It meant that when it was birthday time, I didn't want to miss out on the cake, but there were no gluten-free cake recipes, so I had to figure it out. And that was one of the first things that I started writing down for friends and family in a little infant blog, infantile, I should say, blog that um, I started back in uh, 2009, I think. And um, it was just to share those recipes because a few people had figured that out for themselves as well. And they're like, can you teach me how to do this? So I did that. And then in the meantime, I had my beautiful baby boy in 2009 and uh, in um, having my baby shower and all my girlfriends sharing beautiful products that were going to help me set up my nursery, I thought, I'm really good at reading food labels now. I'm going to look at this stuff and see what's in there. And uh, once I started looking at all the different names, and I had come from luxury cosmetics before hospitality, so I was very used to talking about those rare algaes that were fabulous for our wrinkles and, you know, all the, all the <laughs> different key ingredients, but I'd never, ever once been taught or trained on as a trainer in that industry any of the other chemical names. We just assumed that there were things that needed to be in there to create texture or preserve it and stop it from going moldy or whatever. And it turns out that as I was looking them all up, there were really two families that I was concerned about in in the chemicals. And one family of chemicals were the um, preservatives and uh, the other were the hormone disruptive chemicals. So chemicals that had been shown in the research 
to either fiddle with, block or mimic our natural hormone signaling. And I thought, gosh, when I was in cosmetics, especially in the early days, first, you know, just getting myself through uni as a counter girl at DJs, um, I remember all of us had some sort of hormone thing, whether it was super painful periods, whether it was endometriosis, whether it was polycystic ovaries, whether it was PCOS, which is uh, the syndrome, whether it was mm. difficulty falling pregnant, uh, whether it was super shocking menopause symptoms, um, it, everybody had something. There, there was there was just always bitching about chick problems, and I just thought maybe this is why, and maybe this is why because once I started looking at the effects, headaches and migraines came up really really frequently. And I remember towards the end of my time in cosmetics, by then I was in management and running a region for the duty-free market, I felt allergic to my job in ways that I could not quantify or explain. I just felt like I had to not be there anymore. I was very negative. And I left and in retrospect, so did my migraines and headaches. I stopped having to wear all those colour stories every day, perfumes all the time. Uh, in hospitality, you, you barely have time to do anything. <laughs> it's so busy running um, pubs and nightclubs and, and things like that that I fell into um, haphazardly afterwards um, and, uh, and just was not someone who experienced migraines or headaches anymore. It's just not a thing for me. Uh, and in retrospect, I can explain exactly why. Whereas once I, when I was still in there, not knowing any of these chemicals were in these products, um, despite the fact that we were selling things that were three and four hundred dollars for the promise of, uh, you know, bright, shiny skin and a few less wrinkles. Uh, I, I was mortified to think that I could have been pushing this on people <laughs> and selling this fake you know, magazine layout kind of dream where once I started looking at it, there are so many great low-tox products that do just as much without the baggage of all the side effects. I mean, you know, 46, nearly 47, my skin looks pretty good, never used anything. You're looking damn good. Um, yes. You know, never done injectables or anything like that, not that I'm judging people who have, but just to say uh, you don't go it's backwards be just okay. because you choose low tox. Like you're, you're going to yes. be okay. You can still have gorgeous, vibrant skin and be really healthy. Now on your journey, you're, you're knee deep in your own books. You mm -hmm. are up to about 4,000 podcast episodes of your own on low tox life. You're the creator of these amazing courses for people to learn more. Obviously the trigger for you, gluten, and then working through every little aspect of your life. It's not something that happened overnight. This, this no. has been built over now 20 years. Oh, absolutely. And I always say to people, in fact, positive psychology is something I've always been interested in. I've always been a trainer and a teacher in, in various fields. And um, uh, it's so important to get the positive psychology right around change, especially if you're worried that it might not go well, or you're one of those people who, uh, like me as an ex-gen chick, um, went through that 80s, 90s, watching Oprah interview like the hottest new diet guru and then you try it for a week and you lose two pounds, so you get all excited and then you fall off the wagon and then you feel ashamed and then you feel like it failed and then you think, I didn't end up with the rock hard abs and losing 25 pounds in two months. Like there's something wrong with me. And so many <laughs> of us at our age have have that like... Um, shame, fear, guilt uh, stuff that comes up when we're 
trying to follow the guru and externalizing our health, you know, handing it over to someone else who knows more than us apparently and therefore we suck, we don't know anything and we're the problem if it doesn't work out right. And I never, ever want someone to feel like that on my watch when they're deciding to make a few changes and, uh, you know, I think curiosity, I think kindness to self and I Mm -hmm. think really unpacking what some of the blocks and challenges are like, A lot of the time, women are all over it. You know, you join the Facebook groups, you do the course, you read the books, you watch the docos, and then the the issue lies in your teenager not wanting to come on board or your husband thinking, why have you gone all hippie and crazy? And and you don't actually have the skills to market the change or the vocab to, to market it to your family members or the way to diplomatically pop your parent-in-law in their place when they decide to have a go at um, you wanting to cook differently or not use Tupperware or, you know, whatever the changes might end up being for you. You are reading my mind. Yeah. I come home yeah. with grand new ideas every day about how we're going to low-tox our life, how we're going to low-tox our bodies, how we're going to change the way we've been doing everything for our entire lives. And I do get the eye rolls and, you know, you do mm. get the, oh, no, what are we in for now? But baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Exactly. And I really think um, on that note, if we want to change, but the people around us are really uh, not excited about that change, have a think about how you can make it a gift and how you can take them along with the journey instead of telling them what has to change. Uh, You know, I've never met, I've never heard of a husband who was told, your deodorant is toxic, you have to stop using it. And then they just said, okay, I'll stop. (laughs) That just doesn't happen. Approach it from a gift mindset. It's like I'm really worried about the revelations in the research that show how this affects men and testosterone. That is a great way to get to the guys because it really does. And I can share Mm. some um, studies on phthalates, the synthetic fragrance in a lot of those really stinky deodorants um, that, you know, you can smell for like six hours after you've applied them or given someone a hug and then, you know, you can still smell it in your hair because it's rubbed off. Um, Those are particularly bad for men. I mean, they still affect us and our estrogen, but they affect men more because of the testosterone-estrogen balance. Estrogen should be so low in our boys and blokes. It should be, you know, testosterone should be the big high healthy number and it actually has been shown to upset that balance in men and affect things like sperm and fertility. And we all know now it's about a 50-50 issue fertility. Uh, It's not just women. It's the men as well and sperm quality, um, and having too much estrogen. So this affects everybody. And you don't need to tell them all of that. But by coming in and saying, look, I've, I've looked at some of the research. You're literally my favorite person in the world. So I do not want this affecting you. I happened to pick up a couple of options that they said would absolutely definitely keep the stink away and, um, and work. Just try them a week each um, and let me know if either of them is good for you or if we want to try some different ones. Um, I certainly don't want our son uh, experiencing issues when he wants to become a dad. That often um, gets them as well. And uh, and then that's like, a oh, yeah, I should feel bad about this too and my wife's concerned about me, not my wife's telling me I'm doing something wrong. That's a very unsexy dynamic. 
That is some very good psychology right there. And that's our mantra here at The Ageing Project is you must try it. You've just mm. got to give it a go. If It yeah. may or may not work for you. And I think for everybody changing everything, as you said before, it's a big hairy beast. It's, it's confronting. You look mm. around your house, you're like, where do I even begin? But if yeah. you start small and you educate yourself on a few little things and then you that's can work it. through it. And perhaps it's not changing your shampoo because it's taken you 40 years to find your favourite shampoo and it's the only thing that works. Maybe that's that's the one thing you can hold on to. Yes, but happy to change my foundation, happy to change Mm. my washing powder and give some other things a go. Absolutely. And I say a lot of um, women like to give scented candles and uh, as gifts or receive them Um, and I think that's one of the best, easiest changes. Like you can buy a gorgeous diffuser, get a couple of essential oils and use those instead. Um, Or you could get into the beeswax candles that still give that gorgeous light and that relaxing vibe, but without the synthetic fragrances. Um, That's just one of the easiest things we can change as well. And I think you have to think about what you actually are curious to change and want to change and start there. Don't think, you know, like a lot of people think, oh, my God, my sheets, my two-year-old sheets aren't organic. I'm going to have to change them to organic. No, that's they're two years old. Like get as much wear out of them as you possibly can. Start on something that actually makes an impact from today um, and, and then replace them when you're ready to replace them, when they really need it. I think we often think because we've got this buy, buy, buy culture, we have to swap everything for the best version of the thing. Um, but sometimes, especially with sheets, clothes, textiles in general, um, it's better to actually, and it's more sustainable to actually keep using that thing until it wears out rather than, um, thinking you have to buy everything new. I love that you set yourself some rules for your journey. The one saying, I educated myself and I watched a few documentaries. Number two, I made some rules. Three, I made it bigger than just about me, which we, mm. we've spoken about. Four, I made mental space for change. That's a big one. And you yeah. did it because you wanted to, not because you felt you should, which again is that pressuring our, our friends, family, husbands, partners, mm-hmm. kids uh, into what we're doing. And everyone can do it their own way, which I loved was your rule number six. Do it your way. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And I often say, which I think is really important for the mental health piece of change, like, yeah, we we have hormone problems that are sky high. We have kids with psoriasis, dermatitis, hives, uh, eczema, asthma um, in record numbers. And these weekly trips to the pharmacy have become the norm, but they're not actually normal Mm. to humans. It's really quite abnormal and very, very recent. Mm. Uh, So I say, yes, things have to change. Yes, we need to clean up our products. We are spoilt for choice. You don't need to make all your own stuff. These days there are beautiful brands and businesses to support who are doing the right thing by people and planet. And as you go, think I do what I do most of the time so I can go with the flow some of the time. So the issue is not Mm -hmm. the odd exposure uh, or, you know, going to a friend's house if they're using a scented candle and you've stopped using scented candles, you don't need to freak out and go, oh, my God, it's going to kill me. Like, no, (laughs) human bodies, livers. Blow it out, blow it out. I'm not coming inside. (laughs) Although there is one friend who uses a particularly stinky one and I do do their little oops um, when I get there and I just hope no one notices. No one's noticed yet. Uh, (laughs) Open a window, sit near it. You're giving me a migraine. (laughs) 
I'm a bit sensitive and yes, I don't want a migraine again. I've done, I'm done with those. But what I mean is like little things, you know, our livers are incredible and they can actually process and detox a huge amount of stuff. But obviously we're not coping, if you look at the public health figures, with the amount of exposures we have to all of these things these days, whether it be food additives, whether it be hormone-disruptive chemicals, whether it be harsh preservatives causing contact dermatitis. Um, You know, so many women have that from just using an everyday detergent that's on the supermarket shelf. Um, And so things do need to change. But then if you're doing great whole food meals, like a good egg on toast kind of brekkie and and sending the kids to school with a good lunchbox or having a really good family meal in the evenings that's whole food based and not too much takeaway, don't freak out if everyone wants to get a gelato on the weekend and you're not sure if they've used 100% natural Mm -hmm. ingredients. Just that's what I mean by we do what we do most of the time so we can go with the flow some of the time. Just go with the flow and still have those social experiences that don't detach us from our friends. Uh, I think we're sweating the small stuff if we try and be perfect and perfect doesn't really exist anyway. Just a quick, you must try it, pause. Our sister platform has taken off and we're grateful for all the love. Thank you very, very much. Women across Australia are shopping our must-try products. Dr. Anna Kabeca's products, the Three Warriors Faced Tan Mist and the Lamav BB Cream have been hot items from day one. If you haven't checked us out already, please do. We'd love to support your ageing well journey with the products that we've discovered. Youmusttry.com is where you need to go. Now, back to the show. So what are those things we should be looking out for? Because obviously you can do um, organic, natural, but there's this term now, greenwashing, and I think Mm. you sort of see that on the label. You're like, right, I'm in a good spot. This is going to work for me. But that's not always the case. So greenwashing is basically when a brand might put a picture of a planet on their product uh, or use quite green um, enviro-looking colours on their packaging or use parts of the word organic like um, organica or organ originals or, or something, things like that, which there are no labelling rules around um, those insinuations being made and the direct reflection of what's on the ingredient list. So, for example, if you see a dishwashing liquid that's bright blue or a laundry detergent that's bright blue has a really strong perfume but has a picture of the planet on the packaging, then they're probably still using synthetic fragrances in their product or maybe even petroleum-based colours to colour their product. And both of those things would be things that I would be wanting to phase out personally. I mean, everybody's threshold is different and we often find with greenwashing brands they actually are going quite a fair way of the way towards being better options, um, but there's still a couple of things that they're taking pricing shortcuts on the cost of their their production and instead of using an essential oil derivative or no fragrance at all and, and, and making um, that product still smell nice through the chemicals mm-hmm. that they choose in green chemistry, um, then they're opting for these shortcuts that then make it not ideal. Um, So there's always a good, better, best. uh, And I don't ever want someone to feel ashamed that they've, oh gosh, this thing that I've been using for three years that I thought was low-tox turns out is not. Chances are, if it's a green wash brand, yes, there might be a couple of not ideal things, but 
also they might be quite a long way of the way towards being low tox. And so you've already made a better choice. And so just now it's then time to fine tune it and find the best of that good, better, best um, option. And these days you can find supermarket brands. So it doesn't, it's not a, a journey that ostracizes people on low budgets uh, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to to make your own um, of a few different things, which is why I put so many recipes in my book um, that do significantly cost the cut, cut the costs. And then you can save your cash for a couple of really good quality um, uh, products that you do buy in that might be a bit more expensive than the mainstream. So unlike the Australian-made symbol, which we can all look out for wherever we're shopping, whether it be clothing, whatever it might be, there's no real sort of regulation or industry Mm -mm. that is guarding us against tox? Nope, there is not. Uh, Unfortunately, there is very little research done on the synergistic effects of different chemicals going together. So two different chemicals might be fine on their own, then you put them together and then they can be irritating. Uh, and there's very, very little funding, uh, certainly no public funding uh, in, in, in that space unless people get grants and then are allowed to do that work. Uh, and industry is largely allowed to do their own testing and put forward, like, you know, they fill out a, a safety data sheet that's got all of the um, different ingredients and their effects uh, and... That's it. So the government doesn't have this huge body of scientists that then independently verify all of that work that's been done. And I think that's why it was pretty hard to do for over 45,000 different chemicals um, roaming around in our everyday. Uh, it, It would be great if we did start to do that because I think independent science is something that's really missing today, debate and public forum between scientists. Um, because you have really small funded studies that are sounding alarms and saying further research required, we've found X, Y, Z. So, you know, for example, phthalates, which are the plasticizer chemical in in long-lasting fake fragrances. Um, You know, there's some pretty crazy research on um, how male genitals are formed in utero by women who have high levels of phthalates. Uh, so that's me talking about those scented candles, the scented, like the really smelly stuff that we use on the daily. Um, there's some interesting research there, but we need to do much bigger research to actually either set that in stone or maybe even say, actually, it's not that big a deal. Um, we haven't found that when we've studied, you know, 10,000 babies instead of just a few hundred. So I think for people to actually know that that work's not a given and that things can be on the shelf without them being entirely proven safe uh, really leads us to need to be our own little detectives and um, find those brands that have done that work to make sure they're safe. Um, And then natural isn't always a given that you're not going to have a reaction. You know, people might have a reaction to lavender, for example. It's not that toxin is just something synthetic because you know, me and gluten. Gluten is pretty natural and yet I have an issue with that. So there's an element of needing to figure out what you're sensitive to versus what's intrinsically worth giving up. Uh, But I think if you work on those synthetic fragrances and reduce those, reduce the plastics and especially soft plastics in your life, um, and then, you know, with us heading into the third La Nina this year, 
get dehumidifiers so that you don't end up with mould growing in your home because it's all humid and wet all the time, mm. then, you know, those are two, those are three really good places to just start. Um, and then I'd throw in a fourth with the food, uh, which would be to have a look at your shopping trolley and think packaged products on one side and then whole food unprocessed on the other side and just flip that scale over time away from the packaged products whenever you can and more towards the natural whole fresh foods. Um, organic if you can, cherry on top if you can find um, regenerative, you know, biodynamic and all of those sorts of things. But that's not possible for everybody. Um, and fresh and unprocessed is definitely at least the minimum priority. It's fascinating to me that this really has only happened over the past generation. If, if you asked your grandma for a recipe for cleaning the stove, for instance, mm. she would go, well, a bit of bicarb and some vinegar and off you exactly. go. Exactly, yeah. You know, our parents probably know those things, but over their generation there was Yeah, they were sweet-talked into all the products. stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, mm. That just came about and these shopping centres, you know, I remember even as a kid and I'm, I'm the same age as you, that we did use paper bags in the early mm. days and suddenly yeah. there was plastic bags around. So, you know, this has happened so fast for us mm -hmm. and we've learnt from our experts that our bodies just aren't keeping up anyway and nor should they have to. No, so it really God, no. is just about so much of it is convenience, isn't it, yeah, really, it as is. opposed to us trying to do the wrong thing or trying to do the right thing. It's just what our time allows us to do, which we're also working on here at the Aging project is is yeah. our time and finding more time um, for ourselves and these things. But ultimately, it's just about making those choices. You mm. mentioned phthal uh, phthalates there, which is pH. What are some mm. of the other keywords that we could be or should be looking out for? Yeah, so phthalates you're not even going to see on the average cosmetic label or cleaning label. You'll see the words parfum or fragrance. Uh, and there won't be a little asterisk that says from natural essential oils. It'll just be parfum or fragrance. Um, that's what the umbrella term is for phthalates and up to 150 different chemicals um, that fall under that legally. Um, so that would be the main one that I would watch out for. And then with the scented candles, I mean, there are a few products doing more natural ones Um I'll give a shout out to my friend Kim, actually, who does the 28 um, uh, essential oils and candle range, and, and they're gorgeous. Um, Queen Bee is my favourite because that's uh, natural beeswax candles. Um, so that helps. Those sorts of people are helping us move away from those synthetic candles. But I think one of the best things you can do, especially with fragrance, is just start to think, how did they get the vanilla creme brulee into the candle? Or how did they get the spring <laughs> fresh into the into the fabric softener? And actually, or how did they get the ocean breeze into your deodorant? And if you are walking by the ocean and you smell that breeze, is it the same as the deodorant? No, it's not. Uh, and so to really raise your own awareness about how removed from nature a lot of those things are, and if you don't appreciate nature as a busy modern city person, for example, to start taking nature walks, to go on one of the free council Indigenous guided tours of your coastline or your bush and learn about how precious it is. Because once you tap into the amazingness of what's happening right there without any human involvement or, or man-made anything, you're more likely to want to care for it and you're more likely to see those synthetic modern inventions 
as foreign and weird and yuck instead of, oh, I love that vanilla creme brulee candle. Um, And it's so funny. Mm -hmm. I get people to uh, remove all their synthetic fragrances from their home, just box it up, put it in the garage, no need to throw it away yet. And then after a couple of weeks, bring it all back in, use the fabric softener, light the candle, do everything. And people are horrified by how, like a lot of people are winded or they get an instant headache um, because you finally lived without it and then you experience life with it again as Mm -hmm. a new phenomena, um, your body rejects it. I've, I've never had someone bring it all back in and start using it again. Yes, and fill your house up with as many plants as you can you know these having Mm. these lovely living rooms with living things in them whether it's you know just a pot plant or yes I've got a few here um it really does help clear the air and you probably as you say you'd be so much more aware of all the Mm. smells coming out of your your kids rooms your bedroom your laundry you know wherever you've got these different scents sort of bombarding you from yeah, that's I know. It. I know you're a busy, busy lady. One last thing for us, of course. Yes. Very difficult to talk about this fact that I'm sitting here. I've got you know, lights on me. I've got the camera in front of me. I've got the computer mm-hmm. sitting here. Electromagnetic field minimization. It, it's very hard for us when we're carrying devices in our pockets, in our bags, in our cars. We're driving cars, of course. What mm. are those few little things we can do to just reduce that impact on us on the daily? Yeah, so the number one thing is to switch your modem off at night and put your phone in aeroplane mode. I I know if you've got teenagers right, who are coming home do? late, uh, well, you, you're literally cutting off the ability for your device to to be searching for signals and, and 3G, 4G, 5G mm-hmm. out there by putting it in airplane mode. And your modem, um, you're then stopping all of that, uh, those channels from uh, working across the evening when you're sleeping. And there's research to suggest that lowers blood pressure, lowers heart rate um, and increases heart rate variability, uh, which is a health metric. So those two would be my absolute favourite. A second, a third, sorry, do not let your boys and men carry their phones in their pockets unless they have um, some sort of uh, protective sleeve over their phone. Yes, it makes it a bit more bulky, um, but... The evidence to suggest that sperm count and sperm quality is reduced by carrying phones in pockets is undeniable Uh, and uh, it's so, so important, especially our growing boys who are still establishing healthy hormone and sperm levels and quality, uh, really, really important. Uh, And then from there, look, you could go down the rabbit hole of EMF clothing and all that kind of stuff. And if you regularly get palpitations and and have issues and you haven't been able to figure it out, it might be a good idea to explore that world. But for most people, I would say don't live across from a phone tower if you can possibly help it. Um, If you do and you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're right there, Um, maybe that's why I've got ringing ears or palpitations or feel a little bit anxious, Um, then you might want to call on a building biologist to help you put some shielding in place um, to minimise that um, those levels. But mostly just turning that modem off at night and phone in aeroplane mode is a fantastic step. And then with the kids and teens, download the things to watch on the iPad 
um, rather than always having it um, picking up an internet connection and then you can watch things on airplane mode is a great way to go, especially for the little, little kids. You definitely, with that blood-brain barrier still super permeable, you don't want them on devices all day. Yeah. Fantastic advice, Alex. And of course, everyone from our community can join your community at Lotox Life. There are some unbelievable uh, podcasts there to listen to on every topic imaginable. And I know that you're still recording it on the daily now, so there is more and more coming. Um, we can't wait to chat to you again. I would love to invite you to check out our little store, You Must Try It. We are doing our best to make it a really easy platform to people come uh, to come and shop with us. And Lindsay has done lots of testing on all of our products there to make sure they're as low-tox, sustainable, ethical as possible. So come on over, Alex, and check us out. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Today's conversation has inspired me to continue on my low-tox path at my own pace, of course. I've already made a lot of changes to my makeup, my skincare, my perfume, and that is a big thanks to You Must Try It. I think it's important we all take a bit of a breath and just start somewhere. It's taken Alex 20 years, so let's reduce our expectation and take the pressure off ourselves. Just, as I said, little steps. In time, I'm going to look at, obviously, my clothing, which I do pay attention to, the textiles, where they come from, how I'm cooking, what I'm cooking, what I'm cooking in, and a really easy one to change is, of course, your home cleaning. The idea of turning off the modem and popping my phone onto aeroplane mode, that's an easy one for all of us, but maybe easier said than done. It's going to take some practice. As you know, our store, You Must Try It, exists to support us age well with low-tox and environmentally conscious products. So please check it out, youmusttryit.com. It's going to help you on your journey and make it a little easier for you to transition to a low-tox life. Lastly, if you found this episode useful, if you enjoyed listening to it, we'd love a review. And of course, we'd love it if you shared it with your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. See you then.